Hey, Tyndale friends. My name is Chris Chase, and today I was supposed to be in your chapel with you in person, sharing for a few minutes, like a 10, 50 minute thing. And if you haven't seen outside today, um, it is impossible to drive in. And so the decision was made that it'd be wiser to stay here where I am and to record this and then to send it over to you, which is so disappointing, but so understandable. Understandable because the roads are crazy and I would probably get stuck like right on my street and then not be able to get back home in my car. But then disappointing because this is the second year in a row where I haven't been able to be with you. I spoke at your chapel last year via video and I was really looking forward to being back on, on school campus to be able to hang out with you there. And so hopefully at some point in 2022 or maybe it's 2023, we can rectify this. They could finally be there with you in person. But alas, here we are, and it really is a privilege um, to to share with you and to open up the scriptures with you and to hopefully give you something to help you along as you move towards this week, as Tyndale is such a, a, a special place to to my family, my family and I. So speaking of, of the weather, I'm, I'm guessing that some of you or a lot of you spent a lot of yesterday, Monday, shoveling snow. I felt like I was more outside my house than inside my house as I was moving snow from one part of my driveway to the other side, making snow banks bigger than, than my head. I probably did more manual labor yesterday. It, it's There's no gyms open right now. And I got my gym workout in. How about that? I'll put it that way. I was not prepared for any of it. But as I was outside a lot and shoveling, I had a lot of time to, to think. And yesterday, our, our friends stateside, they were recognizing Martin Luther King Day. And a part of why I was thinking about as I was thinking about Southern Snow was about the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. And because I was outside, I missed all of the Instagram posts and all of the tweets commemorating his life and the promises by people saying, we want to continue your dream. I want to do what you've done. And instead of me wanting to post something or reading somebody else, I just was able to sit with his words. I was able to sit with his legacy for a while. And I tell you, the longer the day went and the more I was shoveling and the heavier the snow got, in the same respect, his words became heavier and heavier and heavier upon my soul as I reflected and contemplated his words and his legacy with my current actions or more often than not my inaction. And oof, what a sample size of words. Some of his words were uplifting. Some of them were cutting. Some of them were filled with hope. Others of them with lament or charge. And others still with a, a tinge of resignation that he knew that the work that he was talking about wasn't going to be accomplished in one day or one year or maybe even in his, his lifetime. It would take a while for him to find completion. Yet his words, they, they speak to our present, don't they? Especially in light of the last two some odd years that we've been living in, in this moment of racial and social reckoning. They talk about who we are individually, who we want to be and what we should be striving for collectively. And probably like you, my mind went back to his most famous speech, the one that we know of as the I Have a Dream speech delivered on August 28th, 1963 at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, DC. It's important to know that on that day, he was one of a number of communicators that were invited to the microphone to present something. There were people before him and there were people after him. And this aforementioned dream 
was actually something that was in his soul and also a little bit of improv. History tells us that he had a, a, a speech or a sermon written out and then he began to talk about a dream and someone on the side said, tell them about the dream, Martin. And we, we know just by, by history that he had been talking about this dream with those closest to him. And then in this beautiful moment that we have recorded, he then begins to tell everyone about what this dream is. He begins to share out of his soul, his hope, his desire. What, what an amazing communicator. It's like, did you have that ready written down? Like in that sort of fashion and that sort of, but it just sort of came out of him. He felt to share that with those in attendance that day. And that's what we hold on to. It's the one that is often quoted and then often misquoted or quoted by people who, in many respects, completely oppose everything that he stands for, but they still believe in that dream. And yet in the midst of it, you know, in that section, I, I want to spend a little bit of time um, over to, to talk a little bit about one section that is forgotten about because it's actually it's a really long speech and we spend a lot of time in that, that soundbite but there are other areas in that speech that just resonate deeply with me today or at least resonate with me yesterday as I talked about, <laughs> talk about with you today and, and the theme that I want to spend a little bit of time on is the theme of justice so I want to quote Dr. King in the I Have a Dream speech he says this in a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, will be guaranteed unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring the sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check that has come back marked insufficient funds. But we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity in this nation. And so we have come to cash this check, a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and security of justice. And then later on, he continues in that theme of justice. He says this, we cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro's basic mobility from a small, um, is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their selfhood and robbed of their dignity by signs stating for whites only. We cannot be satisfied as long as a Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and a Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Here at the end of, of the section, Dr. King, he is referencing the prophet Amos in, in the fifth chapter of his book, in Amos, he was a farmer in Judah who was literally unexpectedly handpicked by God to go to the northern kingdom of Israel and to condemn that nation for their injustice and their apostasy. The people of Israel, the northern kingdom, they were living selfish lives. They were stealing from the poor and adding to the rich. They were disrespecting some to be able to care for even a, sm a smaller <laughs> number. And this farmer 
was to call them to a better way of living, to warn them of their apostasy, to warn them of their injustice, to warn them so they might have the opportunity to repent and turn from their ways and live as God would have wanted them to. And that sounds a little bit like the story of Dr. King, doesn't it? Dr. King was one of many men and women of this civil rights movement. He was one of many communicators. He was one of, of many organizers who organized um, speeches and sit-ins and, and marches. And yet he was the one who was picked, essentially. He was the one who was earmarked to be able to be the voice of this revolution, to call a people to do differently to call a people to change, to call a people to live lives of justice. And as we look at where um, what he quoted, let's look at almost like the full picture of what Amos was talking about in chapter five, verses 21, 24. Amos is speaking, God is speaking through Amos to the people of Israel and he says this, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream. God, through Amos, he tells the people of Israel, I don't want your bankrupt insufficient funds checks. I don't want your promises. I don't want what you think is the best of things when you hold on for yourself. I don't want this pretend stuff. Instead, I want you to be people of justice. I want you to be people who care for others. I want righteousness, easier described as right living, set apart way of doing things. I want that to be your hallmark. I want that to flow out of you. I want that to be the river that brings life and brings help to other people. May you stop living for yourselves and instead spend your days caring and living for others. Repent from this way that you've been doing stuff for so long and find my way, which is a better way. I hear that and when I see how Dr. King, he uses that one line, he's capturing that entire section. He's literally walked through that his entire speech. He's literally saying, listen, you have done this this way and you have pushed aside people of color. You have pushed aside, you have, you have said to them, you have all of these rights, ha <laughs> just kidding. And instead may justice roll like a river, may this be something that is offered to everyone. May you who hold justice offer justice to others so that we are all able to have life, love, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. As I, as I read through this passage, as I reread and reread and rethink about this speech, I'm reminded of 
not what the dream really was. The dream was that everybody would be equal, that justice would be available to everyone, that righteousness would be available to everyone, that there would not be two banks, one with a full a full vault for one set subsect people and one bankrupt for, for others, but that everybody would be able to have the exact same experience, the exact same opportunity than others. And I think about us today, us in 2022, us in Canada or wherever you might be watching this. And I think as Christians, we get to be the dispensers of justice. And what does that look like for us today? That we wouldn't be people who give justice because that's something sometimes what we like to do as Christians. We like to give justice. We like to be the ones who tell people what, they're, what they've done wrong. We like to be the people who judge and push things away and hoard what justice is for ourselves. But that's not the, the call of a believer. The call of a believer is to be justice and to give justice, to give opportunity, even to people who we don't necessarily agree with or people that we don't understand. And so what does that look like? What does that look like for us today? How do we live out this dream today May it be that, like Amos speaking to the people of Israel, that we would be justice rolling like a river, righteousness, like a never failing stream, that we would be one that keeps it moving, that we would never stop, but we would continue to move towards justice, move towards caring, watching and caring for the least of these, watching and caring for those who don't have, watching and caring for those who feel like the system doesn't work for them, that the system doesn't care for them. May it be that we, wherever our Lincoln Memorial is, whether it's our phone because we have influence on our Instagram or our TikTok, may it be if it's on our platforms of, of where, we, where we preach or sing, may it be where we blog, may it be in our classroom, may it be wherever we are, wherever our Lincoln Memorial is, may we declare that we are people of justice. Justice that is the caring for other people, providing space, providing opportunity, providing voice for others. It's what the Lord wanted from the people of Israel and translated to a young man, I think it was older, older man, I guess, who was communicating in the midst of segregation in the 1960s. And it then falls upon our shoulders today as, as well, as people who live in the most digital age of all time. May we be people of justice. May we carry on that dream. And so with that being said, thank you so much, friends, for, for allowing me to, to share with you. Um, let me pray. And then um, I will, I guess, pass it on to whoever's next. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for the ability to, to gather together, to hear out of your word, um, and to be reminded that life is not about us, but life is about us caring and sharing who you are with other people. May you be seen and felt through us, I pray. In your name I pray. Amen.
Plus, friends, it's so great to hang out with you. And let's hope that we can do this in person one day. Bye-bye, everybody.